Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, enough talking about it. It's time to see it. Year three begins this week for Kyler Murray. The expectations are high, and rightfully so. He and this offense need to produce, and on paper, they should be able to against a very suspect Titans defense, at least when we look at the numbers from last season. First, though, team captains have been announced, and unofficial or not, the Week 1 depth chart is out. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 462, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Now, I know sometimes you look at a uniform and you see that C on the front right above the left. And sometimes it can be more symbolic than anything else, but listening to Kyler Murray, listening to Buda Baker earlier on Wednesday, MJ, it does mean something to those players. I'm not saying every player across the league, across professional sports, but for those players in that locker room for the Arizona Cardinals who were named team captains on Wednesday, and we'll get into the list, but it does signal to them that they are looked at differently than everyone else, and it carries a responsibility to wear that C. They are forward-facing. They are the ones that have to be out in front, especially when things go bad. Yeah, and I think the quarterback position demands to be a captain. You know, I, I was reading earlier Zach Wilson, who obviously is a second pick in the draft first year, um, you know, but that position demands leadership, um, command of the huddle, and I think he's been more vocal than he's ever been um, when it comes to critiquing guys. Not that he's sitting there ripping them, but he wants them to do the right things on the field because that's going to help his team win. And you know how I feel about Buda Baker. Um, you know, to me, he's the face of the defense. I know they have Chandler Jones and, you know, J.J. Watt now, and, and you throw in Marcus Golden, who's really a, you know, the energy guy. But those two guys, to me, are, are really the core of the future. And uh, the fact is that Kyler's definitely made strides. Uh, I think the maturity, I thought he had a good press conference today. He was open to a lot of different things he was talking about. And basically, based off Kingsbury, Baker, and Murray today, they can't wait to step on the field because everything goes back to the Chiefs game where they were out there for nine snaps and a lot of people were – and rightfully so. I mean, when you get on the field, you got to compete. But I, I like what I'm hearing from all three about this offense and what the defense could do coming up on Sunday. Yeah, there is a lot of excitement, and I'm sure there is a lot of excitement across the National Football League for all 32 teams. As Kyler said when asked about being named a captain, it is, quote, doing what's right, not cheating any days, end quotes. And yes, all eyes are on the quarterback, and all eyes are on your team captain. So here they are on offense. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Rodney Hudson, and DJ Humphreys. Murray and Humphreys captains for a second straight year defensively Buda Baker Chandler Jones Jordan Hicks and J.J. Watt Baker and Hicks captains for a second straight year special teams Dennis Gardeck once again a captain for a second straight year Chandler Jones by the way the fourth straight season 
he will have that C on his uniform. I look at the list of names, MJ, not a surprise, not a shock. Yeah, there are some first-time captains, especially wearing the Cardinals uniform for the first time, but it makes perfect sense that a Rodney Hudson or a J.J. Watt are wearing the C for the Arizona Cardinals in 2021. Well, that was that was the priority going into the offseason, leadership and physicality, and they both bring that to the table. And maybe we haven't talked about Rodney Hudson and the addition he's brought because we're focusing on who's the right guard and, and Kingsbury confirmed today that it's going to be Josh Jones. Not a surprise. We'll get into that. But, you know, uh, Rodney Hudson to me is, is a seasoned veteran. Um, he's going to be the uh, the captain of the basically the offensive line. And then you, you just throw in, you know, a guy like Chandler Jones, who obviously is, you know, a premier pass rusher. But I really like the fact that Jordan Hicks, you know, you, you're talking about two guys that, quote, wanted a trade in the offseason, right? According to reports, never came out of their mouths, but we'll go by what was reported. Maybe the agent. Well, Hicks did acknowledge that the Cardinals would work with him to try to find a different spot, and it just didn't work out. We still have not heard from Chandler Jones. Hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. But yeah, two players that, according to reports, asked out, now all of a sudden are wearing that C. And I do think it says a lot about Jordan Hicks that he still carries that leadership ability despite what has gone on although based off what we saw in training camp I'm not expecting to see Jordan Hicks on the sidelines a ton we might see him more on the sidelines than we saw in the first two seasons but he's going to play a lot this year and it's going to be one of those thank God for unanswered prayers that Jordan Hicks is still on this team yeah you know we all go back to draft night where they anointed you know Zayvon Collins and I Got to think that what happened in week 16 and 17, they said we got to get two stud inside linebackers, and one's athletic and one's more physical than the other. But Jordan Hicks is a pro. He's been a pro since he's been here. And, you know, I think uh, clearly they admitted they played him too much. Um, So, you know, I agree with you, though. But he had a great camp, and he's going to find his way to get on the field. And I think we're all in agreement the first couple of weeks of the season just to kind of Nothing against Zavin, but this will be his first NFL games. And so it's just maybe pointing somewhere. He's got to make the calls. And, and again, he's going to get some help. But having who knows how much he's going to play. But I do think we're going to see all three inside linebackers at least for the first couple of weeks. And then we'll find out what happens you know, for the remainder of the season. Yeah, get used to Zavin Collins, Isaiah Simmons, and Jordan Hicks on the field at the same time. Now, does that mean one less outside linebacker, one less defensive lineman, one less cornerback, one less safety? Who knows how you mix and match to get to 11? But you talked about those first couple of games when you're talking about run-heavy offenses in the Titans and Vikings, and then maybe it does switch, or maybe they find a different package that works better versus the run compared to versus the pass. But I do think you're going to see a lot of shuffling because outside of maybe, what, uh, Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, maybe a Chandler Jones as far as playing 100% of your defensive snaps. I think Zayvon Collins might be close to 100%, although that might depend. Just maybe needs a break just because you know things might be going a little bit too fast and his head might be swimming for a series or two, and he needs to be pulled just to kind of get things, get his bearing and back to where they need him to be. But I don't, I don't know if we'll see a lot of 100% snaps once we get to like week 10, week 12. I would agree with that. And, and, and the fact is, you know, if the Cardinals feel like, you know, 
Um, if you're comfortable with Zavin and Hicks inside, which they are, that allows Isaiah Simmons to play a couple different roles. He can cover the slot receiver. He can cover the tight end. So, you know, normally if you have three inside linebackers and you still have your pass rushers on the outside, you know, you, you're going to have to make a substitution. So usually a DB would come out. Now, if they're going 11 personnel, you got to have three DBs out there. But if any other personnel, um, you're probably taking a DB off the field when you want to go with those three inside linebackers. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get into the depth chart and some of the official confirmations that we got from the head coach versus what we saw on paper on the unofficial depth chart. But I need to remind everyone that here on September 8th, Folk Tales, presented by 72 Sold, episode number one debuts later here on September 8th. And depending on when you listen to this episode of Cardinals Cover 2, maybe it's already premiered, but it is Legendary Locker. We've discussed this a lot about Pat Tillman's locker that was saved in large parts. Basically, the responsible party is our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. But the story behind that is what is going to debut later on on September 8th. Presented by 72 Sold, again, Folktales, and the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. And this is something that will be going on not only for the month of September, but it's going to go on through the rest of the 2021 regular season. Yeah, and if you, you follow the Cardinals since they've been here, or maybe over the last couple of years, it's they've done a great job, a lot of work put into it. And Jimmy Omohundro, I watched a trailer and uh, I like his acting skills, and, and I was told wait for the graphics and stuff like that. So I, I'm, I didn't see everything, but I like the fact that the way he said it, you know, when they were tearing the locker room up, and, and again, it was more to where they wanted to, you know, upgrade the locker room. But um, And then J.J. Watt just walking by there the day he signed, taking pictures and what he's done with the foundation. So... Again, I'm looking forward to every single one, but the next one is the first one. Absolutely. Legendary Locker, the tale of how Pat Tillman's locker was preserved during renovations to the team's practice facility and how it remains today as a symbol of Tillman's remarkable legacy. Folktales presented by 72 Sold. All right, let's get into the depth charts and two things we know officially. You brought it up earlier. One, Josh Jones will start the game at right guard. Kingsbury did acknowledge that Brian Winters did not get a lot of reps in training camp. The same can be said about Justin Murray. Kyler Murray, though, said Josh Jones had earned that starting spot because that was something that I had maybe thought of that did Jones earn that position or did he win it by default just because Murray and Winters weren't on the field a ton during the course of training camp but if Josh Jones goes out there and we know Sean Kugler doesn't matter who you are how you got here he's going to play the five best offensive linemen Kingsbury did acknowledge that perhaps Winters or Murray could see some time depending if Josh Jones is not holding up his end of the bargain and I think that speaks volumes because that goes back to that accountability penalties or not you're just not getting the job done there's going to be a short leash I think on a handful of players because this is a huge season and each week is going to be magnified starting this week against the Titans well and I think you know that now they announced the nine captains they're going to have to police that locker room and, and police it on the on the sidelines yes it, it falls on the head coach but they've done a really good job it's a point of emphasis in training camp if you jump off sides you come out for the play and then you know you have to sit there and go on missing reps and if you're not a starter you're missing reps that's probably not a good thing but 
I don't really know if it was competition. You mean Jones right guard from the get go? Well, it was going into camp because okay. winners. I mean, I do think we're going to see winners at some point. Okay, just based on the starts and the fact that he's played with Kelvin Beecham in the past, so there's there's some chemistry there. But I don't. I mean, it, it's tough to, to start when you're not on the field. And winners missed a ton of time, and, and Justin Murray missed a ton of time. Now, based on what Cliff said, I got to think. Winners, Murray, and Garcia will likely be active on game day. Yeah, you're going to have a backup center, that's Garcia, a backup guard, that's Winters, and Murray, who we know can play either guard or tackle, is your swing tackle as far as backing up either left or right. So, yeah, eight you typically dress anyway, and I think basically on week one you might be able to get away with just dressing eight and not adding another offensive lineman well we know the cardinals were thrilled when when josh jones was on in there on the third round where they got him at 62 overall they had him ranked at 30 now he's basically been a tackle he played 40 uh started 40 games at left tackle at the university of houston he was working at right tackle last year i think you know from a young guy when you move him inside you can hide him a little bit um, but he's gonna he's you know he's making his first start. He played 61 snaps last year. Moore is a special teams player and an extra lineman, you know, to give another blocker to protect Kyler Murray. So there's gonna be some growing pains like anybody else. But I know they're really excited about him, and he can play multiple positions also. Here's Kingsbury's quote: "We won't hesitate." End quote. To put Winters or Justin Murray in at right guard, depending on how well or not well Josh Jones is out there. And yeah, there are going to be some ups and downs. You don't want to lose him as far as shatter his confidence. But if there's mistake after mistake after mistake, pay attention to that right guard. And then it'll be interesting. What do you do? Is it Winters or is it Justin Murray? Because... I think Murray is more apt to be that swing tackle. Maybe it is Brian Winters that just gets plugged in based off his experience and being at the ready at the drop of the hat. Yeah, if Winters would have been practicing from day one, probably be the starter, I would assume. But I think Josh Jones has earned it. Um, again, there's going to be some growing pains. And as you pointed out, at the end of the day, Sean Coogler is going to play the best five guys right now. And that doesn't mean in two weeks from now that maybe Winters knocked off some of the rust, gets in football shape. We could see him out there. I like the fact that we're talking about eight deep when it comes to the offensive line. Yeah, maybe the deepest offensive line since 2008, maybe 2015, as far as guys that are not starting that could start on other teams across the league. The other issue, I wouldn't say issue, the other topic regarding the Cardinals' depth chart is the fact that kick returner Eno Benjamin or Rondell Moore and Kingsbury was asked about that and he acknowledged that you could see perhaps both Benjamin and or Rondell Moore returning kicks but it's going to be dependent on the offensive touches if you know Benjamin is out there and gets a couple of different carries and all of a sudden there's a kickoff maybe it's Rondell Moore if Rondell Moore is getting a lot of catches or something happens on the offensive side of where he's more involved then certainly you want a fresh body back there and you don't want someone tired. So you might see some shuffling, and it might be, once again, just figuring out who is better at it, though it does sound like you know Benjamin might get the first crack at kickoff and then punt return. You're probably looking at Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore. My guess it will be Rondell Moore. And I thought you know, Benjamin is night and day from a year ago. Yes, he only had eight touches in the in uh, eight carries, excuse me, in the preseason, but he really excelled on on uh, kickoff return. Uh, 
You know, I thought he had really nice returns. I, I like the way he runs, and that's one thing I think Kingsbury's intrigued with, his running style, a little bit different than the other guys on the roster. So are you telling me they're going to dress four running backs on Sunday? Certainly sounds like it, that just based off what Kingsbury said on Wednesday and then how the depth chart looks, I mean, let's talk about it. Jonathan Ward is listed as the number three running back ahead of Eno Benjamin. I do think that they are two different players as far as what Jeff Rogers wants to do with them special teams-wise. I think Ward is more of a coverage guy, and Eno Benjamin might be more of the guy who can drop back there and be that guy who catches kickoffs or maybe be up one of those two players that are ahead of whoever is deep so it wouldn't be a shock to me if four running backs are dressed now a couple days ago we talked about gamesmanship rondell moore your punt returner and kick returner and then you go three running backs but it sounded like they're going to dress four again well we'll just have to wait for game day correct and as i acknowledge christian kirk technically is listed as the first team punt returner but i I would expect that it would be Rondell Moore, but that's just me. Also on the offensive side, Demetrius Harris has moved ahead of Darrell Daniels as the backup to Max Williams at tight end. Not exactly sure if that means anything or not. Perhaps maybe two tight ends active. If you go three, Darrell Daniels certainly a better blocker than he is a pass catcher. Demetrius Harris a better pass catcher than he is a blocker. Good question because I, I like the signing. Um, he's a guy that can play a little bit of a wide receiver. You can line him up as a tight end, move him out. And, and we always talk about matchups, linebackers and safeties on him. Uh, one thing about Darrell Daniels, he's been a little inconsistent in practice. That's what I was told. So, you know, nothing against him. He's still a guy that, you know, can play on teams. Obviously, he's a better blocker than he is pass catcher. And then Max Williams, I think he's had a really good camp. Once again, he's got to stay healthy. Now, defensively, Rashard Lawrence listed as the starting nose tackle with Corey Peters as the backup. Byron Murphy, Robert Alford listed as the starting cornerbacks. So whether that is true or not, again, it is the unofficial depth charts that Media Relations Department puts out. But pay attention. I do think you're going to see a nice rotation of defensive line. And yes, you will see three cornerbacks on the field a lot. And that does include Marco Wilson playing a lot of snaps this week and this season. When I look at the nose tackle position, you know, Corey Peters obviously did not play in the preseason. That was the plan. He signed the same day at camp. He's been practicing every single day. He hasn't missed a day. I'm sure during the season as a veteran guy, he'll get some days off. But Rashad Lawrence missed a lot of time in camp, and I know they're intrigued with him. They think he's got a little bit more upside, maybe can do a little bit more than Lucky Foto, even though I'm excited about Lucky in the rotation there. So it wouldn't surprise me if Corey Peters gets the start. It's just, you know, Rashad Lawrence has earned it, but I want to see more from him. He didn't get a chance to, to practice every day. So I think Peters, coming off the injury, maybe you want to slow play him early on and rely on some younger guys. And remember, Bird Gang, it doesn't matter if you start or not. It could be just one snap, and you get that starting designation. Pay attention to how many snaps you get at the end of that particular game, and then that will tell you all you need to know about how a particular coach or position group feels about that player. But I do think there's going to be a nice rotation on the defensive line. It's going to be fascinating either Monday morning when we take a look at the snap count. Collins, Simmons, um, you know, the D-line, J.J. Watt, you know, do they take him out maybe the fourth possession, get him a break, and then make sure he's on the field in the fourth quarter because, you know, you know, we always look at Larry Fitzgerald's numbers against teams he played against in the division and they're overwhelming. 
J.J. Watt has 18 sacks against the Titans. I did not know that. That's great knowledge. That's great information, although it does mean that he's been in the league for a long period ten years. of time. So, yeah, 10 years, and you're playing a team like that consistently. So, yeah, you're able to rack up some incredible numbers. Yeah, I'm not going to bore you. It, tackle for losses, force fumbles, passes defense. So, I mean, he he he's played against them enough to – he knows their personnel. Clearly, they have a different O.C., you got to think personnel-wise. They're going to do DC. You know the DC last year. He called some of the plays with Vrabel. I think he's uh, Shane Bowen. I want to say his name is Shane Bowen. Yes. Yes, and he's got more input now, so it may look a little bit different. But JJ Watt knows their offense. He knows their offensive line. And there are just some players that, regardless of year, regardless of how much change has happened with the particular team, going from the head coach to the roster, there are just some players that do really, really well against certain teams in the NFL. And you can look across all professional sports even on the college scene for whatever reason Uh, let's let's focus in on the Los Angeles Rams I mean seven straight wins the Cardinals have not beaten Sean McVay but that covers three different head coaches so it's not it's not just in the moment kind of a thing but it's stuff we bring up during the week of these matchups and J.J. Watt and the Tennessee Titans well maybe we can get uh, that number up to 19 or 20 sacks over his career against the Titans. Speaking of which, let's get into it. Kind of talk about this Cardinals offense against the Titans defense. And fair or not, the 2021 Arizona Cardinals will go as far as Kyler Murray takes them. That's just how it is in the National Football League. If you have a good quarterback, you have a good chance at making the postseason, first of all, and then making a long playoff run. The Cardinals believe they have a good quarterback in Kyler Murray, and by all accounts, through three seasons, or I should say through two seasons going into year three, we have seen that progress from year one to year two, offensive rookie of the year, pro bowler. Now the big question, MJ, is what's next for Kyler Murray? And I don't know if it's so much individual success as it is team success well I know it was talked about in the offseason where it's a luxury uh, listen don't put the handcuffs on him let him run I, I know that you're going to tell me in, in November December well this is what happens late in the year and it's happened twice but I, he does a good job getting out of harm's way he does a good job sitting and he does a good job getting out of bounds but I don't I don't want to put the handcuffs on him when it comes to running now if they're going to play man-to-man coverage and guys are covered, um, I got no problem him taking off with the ball. I know that they're going to rely on on Chase Edmonds, James Conner. We'll see about Eno and Jonathan Ward. But don't take that away from him. That's who he is. He's a dual threat. He's one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. But he has to pass first. It cannot be run first and too many times last season it was run first because he had to because that was the only thing that was working going into this year it has to be pass first he mentioned it he has all of the offensive weapons DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green Max Williams everything is in place for this offense to be successful but it starts with Kyler Murray staying in that pocket now, if the defense all of a sudden is taking away everything, then yes, Kyler Murray can do what Kyler Murray does better than any other quarterback in the National Football League, and that is find the openings and run the football. Yeah, and you know we'll see how many design runs they call for him. But I think the, the, the thing is, again, we mentioned him earlier and probably didn't mention him enough, is Rodney Hudson. I mean, he should be able to give him an extra second or two. We talk about that U-shape. 
And Kyler's got to stay in the pocket and go through his progressions. Now, if some if Hop's covered and Green's covered, all of a sudden you got to you got to improvise, and that means rolling out of the pocket and trying to make a play. But again, I I, I just don't want him to think he's got to make decisions all in the pocket. That's not his upside. His upside is looking at the entire field and utilizing the 53 yards from sideline to sideline. Do our best here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as long as I can remember, to kind of keep track of how many times there are designed runs from Kyler Murray. And those should be obvious, even from watching from afar or via the television set, which we will be doing on Sundays when this team is on the road. And it's kind of a delayed run by Kyler Murray, or maybe it's instantaneous. And then sometimes it's those where you're looking to hand the ball off, either to the left or to the right, and then he pulls it back because he sees that linebacker or that defensive tackle or the defensive end, I should say, creeping up and taking away the running back. So all of a sudden it's contingent on Kyler Murray to keep that football and then take off. So I like what you're saying because you don't want a lot of those because then that puts Kyler Murray in harm's way even though he's good at avoiding the hits. We just know that when he does get hit, especially late in the season, it tends to cost this team a lot, as we saw last season against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the offense kind of got bogged down maybe after the Bills game. They were running that mush offense, and we knew that you know Miami did it first and then New England, so hopefully they can make some adjustments there. But, you know, you look at the opponent here, and, you know, again, I, I, you know, it looks like, according to Vegas, there's going to be a high-scoring game. I don't know what that means. It's it's like fifty two points. Are we allowed to talk about this? Sure, why not? I okay. mean, it, it, it's it's out there. It's just informational <laughs> purposes. But yeah, the over under, I believe, it's fifty two and a half. And many people believe a high scoring game. We talked about it earlier this week with Kyle Vandenbosch on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. I think this is a game that could go either way, either high scoring because the offenses are just so good, or defensively because the offenses haven't had a lot of time talking about both the Cardinals and Titans as far as a lot of snaps in training camp or the preseason. Yeah, and you just got to avoid the turnovers, the big plays. But I, I think the other game is Browns-Chiefs, and I think it's the same win total or total points. So, I mean, you look at both of these secondaries, you got to think you're going to try to throw the football, correct? Absolutely, and I think that is where Kyler Murray can really take advantage of this Titans defense because it's almost a complete makeover when you look at that Titans defense. Only safety Kevin Byard returns as a full-time starter. They did add Janoris Jenkins, a.k.a. Jackrabbit, and yes, it does say on the Titans depth chart, Jackrabbits as the starting cornerback, and then they drafted Caleb Farley in the first round, Elijah Molden in the third round, both Farley and Molden, though, according to the unofficial Titans depth chart, are buried deep. They're third-string cornerbacks, and that is something to pay attention to because there was a lot of talk in the months leading up to the draft. Caleb Farley as the answer or an option for the Cardinals with the 16th overall pick because when you got past those first three cornerbacks, there was a drop-off, and we know the Cardinals needed to address the cornerback position. They did so on day three, but there was a lot of people I believe I was one of them as well that looked at the cornerback position as a first-round pick. Well, if you want to go back to basically the offseason, he, he was ranked up there with you know the Patrick Sertans and, and the other corners that were drafted. So I just think there was a red flag. Now, you're not drafting him for one season. You know, Clearly, I think any team he went to probably wasn't going to be able to play right away. And, and, and again, you're drafting him for the next four or five years. 
I think he'll have a good pairing in the future with him and Jack Rabbit. Um, from a standpoint of cover skills, because he he he's he he played well. It's just he had the injury, and I think that, you know some teams said you know we need a guy like Zayvon Collins to play right away. Again, you're not drafting for one year, but that's what an area where I would attack. Now, you look at Janoris Jenkins. He's a guy that gets his hands on a lot of ball. I was told he's a leader on that team, even though it's only his first year. And you know when you draft these guys, you know in the first and third round, you hope they can contribute. But at this kind. You know they're they're a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year, so they really can't develop guys while they're trying to win football games. Yeah, this Titans team. We talk a lot about the offense and what they are capable of doing, and we'll do so later on this week, especially after we get to hear from Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. But this Titans team, as good as it is offensively, it is that bad defensively when you look at the numbers from 2020. 19th against the run, 29th against the pass. Only 19 sacks did that defense record. They were dead last, MJ, in stopping teams on third down. And when you looked at the seven teams that made the postseason out of the AFC, they were the worst, talking about the Titans defensively in last season's playoffs. And it might be why they lost in the first round of the Baltimore Ravens, blowing a 10-point lead. This Titans defense, as much as we talk about the Cardinals offense needing to take a giant leap here in year three, this Titans defense, we don't want to make this too much about the Titans, but they need to take a step forward and they believe they have at least on paper defensive coordinator Shane Bowen wasn't the DC last year he shared those duties with Mike Vrabel Jim Schwartz was brought in as a senior defensive assistant and then the big move in the offseason in free agency Bud Dupree the outside linebacker signed a five-year 82 and a half million dollar contract and with that addition the addition of Dupree although He's coming off an ACL injury late last season that cost him the last five games of 2020. He, though, has told the Titans media that he is going to play this week and week one. So how healthy is he? But I am curious because this is a perfect game for the Cardinals offense to show what they are about because, well, we don't know quite what they are about so far in 2021. Yeah, and you know, to me, the guy you got to stop early on is Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, he's a really good player. He's, he's come into his own the last couple of years now. He's probably not going to fill up the stat sheet because he plays in the interior. So that's going to be a great matchup for the two guards and center. And so that that's the guy you got to pay attention to early. And then you look at Bud Dupree. Clearly he can rush the passer. And, you know, that was the reason why Malcolm Butler had 100 tackles last year and he had four interceptions because they couldn't get to the quarterback. Clowney was there and he ended up going to Cleveland. So... Yeah, I, I would think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive just to create pressure, kind of like Vance. But you don't want to put your secondary in a, in a position where they got to cover for four or five, six seconds. It is an unknown what this Titans defense is going to do or try to do this season. And this might be the perfect opportunity for the Cardinals to get a team that many people believe not only contenders in the AFC, but contenders for the Super Bowl. You get them here in week one, and I know everyone is going to be jacked up. It's on the road. It's going to be a full house in Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. So you have that factor, but not quite knowing what to expect when you play for real. It's one thing to do it in practice. It's another thing to do it in the preseason, and it's quite another thing to do it in the regular season on a Sunday, in this case 10 a.m. on Sunday, I think the Cardinals can, and I would hope 
and expect that they take advantage of this Titans defense. Now, if something changes and all of a sudden this Titans defense is better than anticipated, at least via paper and what we see from the numbers from a year ago, because that's all we're going off of. But I do think that this, from the Cardinals' standpoint, they should be able to score 25, 30 points based off what the Titans were unable to do a year ago. Yeah, and I've reiterated this a few different times. I think this is the first year where Cliff actually can really roll out a 10 personnel. Now, I like 11 and 12 personnel. I want to go big. I want to get matchups. But if you feel like their secondary has one or two good corners and one safety, you want to spread them out, and they got four wide receivers, even five, depending on who's if Isabella's active. They can go four wide. Just again, they're going to go up tempo. Um, you just don't want to go three and out and take only forty-five seconds off the clock. Now, normally they don't hike the ball like with twenty-eight seconds. It's usually more four fifteen seconds, where you're basically trying to figure out the defense. But I, I wouldn't surprise me based on their secondary now. This following week, I think the Vikings will play more of a zone, so that's a little bit different. But if you feel like the matchups on the outside, AJ Green and Hopkins, and then you got your inside guy slot with Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore, um, I literally think they can move the ball down the field. Again, if you can protect Kyler Murray, make those decisions inside the pocket. 24 points was the magic number for the Cardinals in 2020. Eight and two when scoring 24 points or more. 0-6 when scoring less than 24 points. And I think to win games in 2021, the Cardinals are going to need more than 24 points. They might need to get up closer to the high 20s, low 30s to be a playoff contending team offensively. This this has bird game, this has to be the expectation. It's year three. There's no more talking about it. There's no more dissecting it. We need to see it. And year three, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, what do you have for us? Because everything is in front of them. There is nothing more that this team offensively needs to add to be successful. Everything is right there from the offensive line to the pass catchers to the quarterback. Amen. You're right. I mean, it's now or never when it comes to this offense. You know, last couple of years is about X's and O's and trying to figure out matchups. Like I said, I, I thought the offense, uh, you know, in the open portions of practice, I thought they were humming. I thought they were efficient. And you could see the playmakers on the field. So I'm, I'm looking forward to just like everyone else when the game starts. And, and, and again, they feel like, you know, Cliff doesn't show a lot in the preseason. I know fans wanted to see more. I get it. Um, and if they don't come out and, and they're not humming, um, then you have a right to say, well, maybe they didn't approach the preseason the right way. But I, I think behind closed doors, they feel really comfortable about this offense. What did you think about Buda Baker's comments? And he mentioned it a couple of times in speaking with the media, a little foreshadowing about what the Cardinals offensively are capable of doing, talking about no one knows the true Arizona Cardinals offense this season. And then he added this about earlier in practice on Wednesday, a great two-minute offense in which during that two minutes, the offense scored and Buddha said it was just like nothing happened, that they were just rolling. We did see some of that in training camp during the open practices and that the football was hardly hitting the floor. Yet, what do we know of that the rest of the nation knows of? Well, it's the three straight three and outs against the Kansas City Chiefs on national television. And then it's the... I don't know what the description was. I'm still upset about what happened in Los Angeles. Those are the two most recent pieces that people are going to point to regarding this offense. 
You have to do more. You have to do tenfold based off what we saw against the Rams and the Chiefs. And from all accounts, that's what's happening. Just no one outside of the players have seen it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a scenario where, you know, I, I look at this, you know, we haven't even talked about Matt Prater. And again, yeah, you know, this guy's uh, it's clutch when it comes to clutch kicks. And, and then, you know, Kingsbury on fourth down, what, what does he decide to do? And then you got James Conner in short yardage situation. So, you didn't have that element last year, and now you have the element, and hopefully the penalties are down. Again, if somebody's going to hit Kyler, I don't have no problem if he is a holding penalty to make sure you protect your franchise quarterback. But short yardage, special team should be a, a lot different than a year ago. And we heard earlier on Wednesday, Kyler mentioned something that he had mentioned during the offseason as far as the number of penalties, that this offense can be as good as they can be. It can be, as he said, sky's the limit as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And that is what bogged this offense down a year ago, the number of stalled drives, how many penalties, first and 10 to first and 15 to first and 20, third and one, and all of a sudden there's a false start and it becomes third and six. That can't happen for the Arizona Cardinals in 2021. That, to me, is not learning your lesson. And that would be very disappointing for not just the fans, but for a lot of people here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center because we go back to what this offense looks like on paper, and I understand it's on paper. Kyler Murray, earlier on Wednesday, quote, if I don't make things happen with what I've got, then I'm not doing my job, end quote. That, to me, was the most telling thing that Kyler Murray had to say on Wednesday. Yeah, and and, and the fact is that he, he really – likes the offense. I mean, I, I think it's the best offense they've had probably since 2015. And that, that was the year that I'm not saying they're going to the NFC Championship game. And year 2015 was year three for Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer. Things finally clicked that season. Well, it took at least a half the season, but they went 10-6, and 11-5, and five and 13. I'm not saying 13. I'm just saying skill position-wise, uh, look at the playmakers on defense, the weapons on offense. Uh, I, again, you got to prove it on the field. I do think it's a double-digit win team. They should have won more. Should have won at least ten games last year. I, I think the front office put together a roster that should have won ten games. We know it didn't happen, but I, I anticipate double-digit wins this year. Is that enough to win the division? We'll find out. Yeah, you should have that magic number of 10, and that might even still be enough. But as far as points on the scoreboard, yeah, just one more than your opponent. But I do think goal of 30 should be what this offense strives for. Now, do you have enough possessions to get to 30? Well, all you really need is five, and you can get to 35 points just like that. Now, how many possessions will the Cardinals get this Sunday against a ball control offense and the Tennessee Titans? And it's why Kingsbury brought up maximizing possessions and maximizing the different drives that they have. No empty possessions. You've got to be able to come away with points if you're limited to just maybe five or six possessions this week. Yeah, I hear this, and they were ranked 28th last year in time of possession. 28 minutes. Cardinals were ranked 25th, so well, you've always said time of possession doesn't mean anything. It's misleading. It's what you do with the ball. I mean, it, great. It, you like to have the ball for 11 minutes in the first quarter, but if you're only up 3 nothing, you squandered a couple opportunities. It's what you do in the ball, what you do in the red zone. Uh, yeah, you would like to, you, you know, the, the teams at the top, Packers, Chiefs, Saints, 
um, Buccaneers, they're holding the ball for over 30 minutes. A, they're playing with the lead, and maybe last year they had to go more ground control because their defense couldn't stop anybody. So here they got more weapons, so maybe a little bit different. But to me, it's what you do with time of possession, especially in the red zone. If you're settling for field goals, then then the score is going to go the other way. Yeah, and how many times last season or even going back to that first season in 2019, being able to move the football between the 20s once you get inside the red zone, all of a sudden things shorten up quite a bit. Those windows get much smaller, and how do you perform as an offense that likes to spread it out when you can't spread it out that much when you get inside the 20-yard line. That's where a Chase Edmonds, a James Conner, an Eno Benjamin, Jonathan Ward, whomever, as far as a running back is concerned. And then maybe you utilize Kyler Murray a little bit more in the red zone as far as running the football. But this team has got to do a better job scoring touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. Love Matt Prater. I don't want to see kicks of 25, 35 yards. If he's kicking the football, that means he's kicking between 40 and 55 yards out. I'll take a game winner, though. True. Yes, that, you, that is true. Yes, you get we in will. field position, I, I know I'm stating the obvious, but that's the, the beauty of the RPOs, the pistol, the zone read. Kyler, he, he, if he can, and it sounds like he's watching more film, and I think that's probably uh, goes back to Cam Turner and then also Colt McCoy. But – he does a good job, uh, you know, when he's in the, uh, you know, five. What do you have? 11, 10, 11 touchdowns. Eleven t- rushing touchdowns. Love it. Now they didn't all come from the five yard line, but he does a good job getting the defensive end to suck in, and then he's able to run to the pylon, so he's not even taking a hit there. But I'm using James Conner, and don't be surprised if you see a fade, to AJ Green or DeAndre Hopkins, because you're talking about some young corners that may haven't gone against these guys. I know they go against them in practice, but it's a little bit different. So I'm curious to see you who Jenkins is covering the entire game, or is he playing sides? Instead of a fade, because sometimes that's that, that takes a lot to master, just throw a throw a jump ball because, you know, Hopkins is going to come down with it or no one is. And A.J. Green at 6'4", he's got good hands as well. When you're going up against smaller cornerbacks, you should be able to out-jump that guy who's covering you. The only reason I say fade, only one guy can catch it. you got to throw it to his right shoulder, and, you know, hopefully it's close to the, to the sidelines where he can catch it over his right shoulder. You can't underthrow it. Back shoulder fade will not work there. So, to me, it's a high-percentage play. And, of course, Larry was master of it. I didn't like when they were throwing a, a fade to John Brown. Uh, you got to have some guys, but it's a, to me it's a high percentage throw. Throw it to the right shoulder. Don't let the DB deflect the ball. Bird Gang, if you like what you hear, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to all of your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, The Dave Pash Podcast, and of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. And one more time, Folk Tales presented by 72 Soul debuts on Wednesday, September 8th. Episode number one, Legendary Locker, the tale of how Pat Tillman's locker was preserved during renovations to the team's practice facility and how it remains today as a symbol of Tillman's remarkable legacy, 7 p.m. on September 8th. If you happen to miss it or you're catching this episode of Cardinals Cover 2 post-September 8th, just go to the Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals, and it is an 11-episode series. So the entire season, different behind-the-scenes stories, some that are known but kind of going beyond what we know as far as what happened behind the scenes 
for a lot of these stories. In the first one, Legendary Locker, looking forward to it. I like you, MJ, have seen the trailer, have seen some clips, have been a small part of kind of putting all of this together, but really looking forward to what the Cardinals have done. Hard work during the offseason. Now we kind of finally get to see it here in September. Well, we know all or nothing. It didn't end it with like the Cardinals won it. Obviously, the flight plans won Emmys, and I think this is going to you know, be up for some Emmys. A lot of hard work to the crew here, and uh, you're, I think you're going to enjoy every single series, or in this case, a series of 11 different episodes. So I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen the final product, so I'm going to be watching just like everyone else. Getting back to what we expect here this Sunday from an offensive standpoint, we'll touch on the defense and how to defend an A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and a Derrick Henry later on in the week. But offensively, I don't think it's so much what the Titans do or don't do. What do the Cardinals do? What are they able to do? And basically looking at this week one, as a blank slate, you know, as difficult as it is, forget what you saw in the preseason, forget what you saw a year ago. It's offensively, I wouldn't say a brand new team, but two new starters on the offensive line, a new number two wide receiver and a new starting running back. But your main pieces are still the head coach and the quarterback. And we've talked about it for years, that third year. Well, it's here. Did it feel like game week when you were out there today? I know it's only 20 minutes. Yeah, we're, only, we're not out there for much. Guys are jumping around. The music is blaring. You hear the coaches yelling and screaming. Kingsbury did acknowledge that it seemed like there was a little bit different vibe. Now, maybe that was when you're actually doing more 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11, 11 11, which we are not able to see or report on during the regular season. So these first 15, 20 minutes during game week, it's – I, I don't I don't know if I could really take a step back and say, oh, yeah, this it's here. I mean, I know it's here based off the calendar, and that's why I'm so excited. Well, Kyler Murray addressed the media. Buda Baker addressed the media. Kingsbury obviously addresses the media through the week. Craig, it's go time. It is. And on that note, Berg Gang, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.